0: In this podcast, I am going to talk about how the world will fundamentally be changing and how 2019 may just be the peak of globalization for history. Welcome to Money Stuff. I'm Shane Allen, and I love talking about all things money. Everything from the stock market to side hustles. Each week, I'll discuss topics on how to better understand money so people like you can hopefully make more and keep more of it. If you're an experienced investor or just someone looking for insight in how to gain more financial freedom, I hope this podcast is for you. With that being said, let's dive right into this week's episode. Okay, so the last time I put out a podcast, things have changed since then enormously. Um, And I wanted to maybe say, without exaggerating, that this might be the most important podcast. Uh, I'm going to do this one and a series of ones supporting the ideas that I plan on presenting. Because... I think that we are undergoing a epic, monumental shift in the way that the world does business, operates politically, and the future is definitely going to be different than it was in 2019. As we come out of the pandemic, deal with Russia and the Ukraine war, and dealing with China in the future, things are going to be Hugely different. And trying to put together an investment strategy for that is just dang near impossible. Uh, It's very difficult. I have one that I don't know if I'll get to in this episode, definitely in the coming episodes that are in line with this series. So, getting to it, let's talk about, let's start with inflation. So the hot topic is inflation, what causes inflation, and we kind of touched on that before, but the important thing that I want to present is that inflation is not going to go away. It's not transitory. It's not temporary, and there's a couple things, uh, mostly facts. I want to deal with facts first, and then we can get to theories based on those facts because that's always predictive. Whereas the facts are, we could dispute them, but let's go from there. So the first thing is that the war with Russia and the Ukraine is bigger and more important than maybe you realize, certainly more than the Europeans realize, because the Europeans right now are all on summer vacation. They're getting ready for their August summer vacations and travel. And the euro is now at parity with the u.s dollar Uh, the euro is headed for recession europe is headed for recession Um, and they're going to stay with a lowered quality of life for quite a while now inflation just isn't caused by more money chasing less products although that is the core cause of it. So, but how do we get more money and how do we get less products are, and services are, is the, the bigger question. And and then you have another variable, which is the boomers retirement and their uh, the replacement, the labor shortage. Okay, so first let's talk about why Europe is going to be stuck in bad times for the foreseeable future. And I hate saying 10 years, but it could be that long. It could be five. There's a couple variables in there, mainly Germany and the UK. How does Germany and the UK get out of its problem of being dependent on Russian natural gas and oil? Russia has about four million barrels a day getting taken offline or at least out of the supply to the West. This causes massive problems because where does Germany get it? Germany literally has a Nat gas pipeline from Russia, Nord Stream One. Nord Stream Two is now dead. Okay, it's it's they're not gonna do it. And Nord Stream One, as of two days ago, just got turned off, quote unquote, for 10 days maintenance, although Russia might not turn it on, they want to send a message that they control the switch of their power and they want to toy with Germany and therefore Austria, Hungary, um, Italy. These countries also get uh, natural gas energy from Russia. So they want to exert some power and send a message and Germany is in trouble. so. Germany has to scramble and they are scrambling to get their energy from somewhere else. Their Nat gas isn't just for heating, it's to run those factories, it's to run those BMWs and Volkswagen factories that they need so much. So the quality of life for Germans will be going down for that number one reason is energy costs and food costs will be going up for them. The number two big reason is that their baby boomer generation did not have as many children, millennials, and Gen X and millennials, that North Americans did, Americans, Canadians, and even Mexicans. So when that happens, you have an aging society, and I'm gonna talk about a demographic bomb that is gonna go off in the world and is starting now in another episode. But briefly, what's happening is those boomers are retiring or dying from COVID, okay? Uh, Let's just say they're retiring and there isn't enough millennials to replace them. So the the, the 40-year-olds become 50, 60-year-olds and there's not enough 20 and 30-year-olds to replace them, which raises labor costs, but also creates a society that is sort of top-heavy or old and they those people use more resources but don't contribute so what happens there what how, how do you deal with that um we can talk about that but it's not good and they're facing that bad timing also when russia decides to go to war and mess with their energy supply so they're going to need to re- they're going to need to do two things um one is not so easy and the other one is hard to think of. The first one, not so easy, is to get their natural gas, oil, and energy from another source other than Russia, which means scrambling to get uh, imports either by building a floating uh, LNG uh, port, which they're doing, but that takes a long time, or over rail system. So that's pretty much what they're going to do is import over rail. Now, There's a possibility that France diverts some of its nuclear power for electricity, which they did to the Ukraine, but I doubt it. So what do they do? Those energy costs go up. That's the easy solution, which isn't so easy. The hard solution seems to be leaving NATO, or at least stop funding and helping out the the Ukrainians, and turning the other cheek against Russia's other uh, ambitions and aggressions. So do you see that happening? I'm not sure. I don't think that's, I think that's extreme. So that means that the quality of life for Germans for the foreseeable future, until they secure their energy and food, is going to go down. Okay, why do you care as an American? Well, um, let's just talk about fertilizer, the exciting world of fertilizer. Since the war in the Ukraine, Russia exports, there's three main ingredients in fertilizer, and that is potash, phosphate, and nitrogen. So China has suspended exports of phosphate because of crisis. Russia doesn't export, they export 40% of the world's potash, not anymore. And the EU needs natural gas that produces Nitrogen, not anymore. Where is the EU going to get its nitrogen fertilizer from? Well, US companies are already pulling out because natural gas prices Mm -hmm. are through the roof. So that's a problem for going forward. Food shortages when uh, next year's yields are lower. And the year after that, and the year after that, we get into famine in Africa, famine in Southeast Asia, and it looks like america will be okay so russia is the number one exporter of agricultural wheat the ukraine is the number four world's exporter of agricultural wheat what does this mean it means food is now unstable in that part of the world including europe as they go on vacation eating this year or i'm sorry last year's harvest they don't think about next year the food already things are disappearing from the shelves of the european shelves so not good i think that you know the headlines are showing how eat how affordable it is for americans to travel this summer in europe because of the parity i think next summer is going to be even cheaper and i think the summer after that things are going to get even cheaper and you might not even want to go uh London and the UK is uh, Brexited themselves out of the EU. They now have their own set of problems that they're going to have to negotiate with America most likely, and it's not going to be good for their terms. The quality of life for Londoners and Brits is going down as well. They import their food, they import their energy, how do you solve those problems when both food fertilizer and energy costs are rising? Okay. So, and and not to mention that the oil gas food fertilizer, iron ore bauxite, all the, the metals, precious metals, rare earth metals are all denominated in U S dollars. So this helps the American dollar uh, the instability around the world is causing a massive influx in uh, to to the American dollar the strength, the flee to safety and it helps Americans it help if you're getting paid in American dollars it's worth more against all other currencies in the world almost bar none except maybe the Swiss franc which is paired to the dollar so, Americans now have more buying power and it's going to continue as uncertainty, okay, uh, continues and it's mostly caused by fertilizer costs, food uncertainty and inflation in America is bad. It's going to be much worse for Europe and it's going to be devastating for sub-Saharan Africa and other parts of Asia. It's going to be bad, famine, bad. So, sorry, you know the the math. It, it, it's just math. Now, why will America presumably and hopefully uh, fare better during this situation? And what should you invest in? That that's those are my two uh, questions. America has always been advantaged because we have. We are net exporters of both food and energy. We have huge supplies of oil, nat gas in Texas, in the Appalachia. We have coal, even if as a backup, which Germany now has already switched to a very inefficient, dirty form of coal. Okay. So w- America has access to fossil fuels on their own soil. Cheap natural gas means cheap nitrogen. Cheap nitrogen is cheap fertilizer. Cheap fertilizer for American farmers means food costs stay down for America. Okay. And American farmers. Yes, it is going up, not as high. Our natural gas in America is five to seven times cheaper than in Europe right now. Imagine fertilizer being seven times more expensive in Europe than it is right now in America. What do you think that does to food costs for next year for planting? Farmers first, what they do is they skimp on this year's crop. They just don't use as much fertilizer. Well, that means yields next year go down. Food prices go up. Uh, the coming years, they start g- grinning and bearing it and buying the fertilizer. And then they bake the price, those costs into the future price. If fuel goes up, You have to put fuel in a tractor. And how many times do you go over that field with that tractor? That's fuel that you're burning. That's input cost. The cost of food and farming is going up. Thankfully, American farmers are the most efficient and productive farmers in the world, bar none. Several reasons. Equipment, technology, as well as our land. Our weather and our land. We have some of the best farmland, if not the best farmland. In the world, we also have huge straight acres where a a GPS-controlled tractor can just plow and plant and harvest huge swaths of farmland acreage in just driving straight. Whereas when you get into China and Asia, their farmland just isn't as, as fertile, number one, so they need more fertilizer to make it productive, and two, it's just... It's not as straight or flat, meaning more fuel costs, more damage to equipment, less efficiency. Uh, In I want to say, don't quote me on the year, I think it's 60 years. The American farmer has produced, gone from 40 bushels to 140 bushels from the same acre. Just to show you, it's over three times as productive. They are getting over three times as much produce from one acre. The rest of the world cannot say that. So this gives us a huge advantage on the food front because our fertilizer remains affordable and our farmers are more productive with less, okay? We also have Canada to provide the potash, okay? So if we can import, Canada is the second exporter of potash and they are a strategic partner of ours. This is a good thing because We need them. We need that. We need that fertilizer. Now, what happens when the rest of the world can't get our cheap food? We keep it here, okay? Prices are going to go up, but hopefully not as bad for us, okay? We have arid land, we have the Mississippi River, which, believe it or not, still is massively used to transport the cheapest way to transport our food. And it's really convenient in the middle of our bread basket, isn't it? So our food remains cheap, our energy remains cheap relative to the rest of the world. Remember, it hurts, but if, you don't, if you're not following what's going on in the rest of the world, you need to know that it's double. Inflation is hitting everyone much worse than the United States because remember, our dollar is strengthening. So we the, the government can continue to print money and the budget seems safe because people want our dollar and, they, and it will only get stronger as things deteriorate in the future. Good for America, good for its partners and its trading partners, not so good for Europe and Asia. We haven't even talked about China, but in the next part, I wanna talk about the baby boomers retiring and how that's gonna be a problem for Americans, Mexicans, and the rest of the world. Okay, let's talk baby boomers, largest generation in history across the world. Um, After World War II, America made a deal with the world and said, Let's go away from the old system uh, where we all kind of fend for ourselves and we're going to be your protector. We'll build our army, our military up, and we'll protect the trade routes for the world. You guys can focus on uh, domestic issues. Instead of defense, you get on our side against the Russians and we will protect trade routes. We'll protect Middle East oil trade routes. We'll protect all the shipping routes in the sea. We'll, We'll build the world's largest navy ever seen. And you guys just have to uh, build our stuff for us. We're going to outsource our stuff at a cheaper price. You're going to build it. Your people are going to move away from being farmers and into the city. And you're gonna, you're guys gonna, you're gonna, your lives are going to improve. Just keep making our Christmas toys and our Walmart goods. That's where it ended up. All of that seems to have ended in 2019 before the pandemic shut the world down. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to do a whole episode on the history, I think, of pre-World War II, after World War II that got us to where we are now. But really quick, most countries bought in uh, the, the last, what? 75 years have been pretty good for most countries that bought in and and started producing goods and services. We protected all that, they got energy safely, and the deal worked out great. And we defeated Russia in the Cold War 30 years ago. Uh, Putin didn't like that, Putin didn't go away. So the thing is, the baby boomers in America had children. Okay, as a population ages, They become less productive and they consume less that's not really ideal for a productive consumer economy but germany's boomers didn't have kids the uk's boomers didn't have kids other countries uh you know france boomers did uh, you know there are countries in europe that that have population replacement but some of them don't now Russia has a double problem. Their boomers did not have children and their health care is so bad that the life expectancy in Russia is 59 years old. They don't even live to retirement. They have a huge stereotypical alcohol problem. So their health care is atrocious. They die early before 60. And so their population is severely aging. Could be part of the reason they uh, had to act now. There's many reasons why they had to act now in invading the Ukraine, but that is one of them. Pushing them, okay? They need that population. 45 million live in the Ukraine. They need that the, the brain, the brains of the Ukraine. They need the the breadbasket and the production of the Ukraine, the agriculture of the Ukraine, to help support the future system, if it's going to survive at all, which I personally think it's not. I think it's doomed itself, but there are outs, and the only out I see is if they pair with China. They, they and China are now linked uh, in a, like, hand in hand, and they're sinking to the bottom, because well, we haven't talked about China. China had one of the largest starving populations in the world, and then they enacted the one-child policy for 30 years they had too much of a growing population that they couldn't feed and they couldn't put to work. So they enacted a one child only policy, which worked and now they let it go on for too long. And now it's created the fastest, most rapidly aging population in human history. And it's going to be bad for China because they have so many aging boomers, that no one is there to replace them. How are they gonna replace these people in the factories? How are they gonna replace them anywhere? As consumers, when, when, when the boomers stop consuming and start dying and retiring when they consume less, who's, what, what, what part of their society is going to replace them when the next generation is half the size, if not 30% of the size because of their one-child policy? Their population will be cut in half within the next 50 years, according to census data from Shanghai. That's not good. This is why they're making rumblings now, because they know that leaders know that these are numbers that you can't just breed away. Let's say they, they forced everyone in China to have a kid tomorrow. It would take 20 years for them to even enter the workforce. And even then, they're at low level, low quality jobs. When do they start? taking over the high important jobs in the economy, 30. So that's 30 years from now before they can, and that's forcing everyone to have a child. Okay. China is going to look like a very different country in five to 10 years. Okay. And they know it. So what do they do? What, what, what are you going to do? What are they going to do? Well, Looks like they're building up a military. Looks like they're, they're looking at uh, annexing Taiwan. Uh, let's not talk about that right now. Let's deal with America. What is America going to do? Well, the boomers had Gen X and Gen X had Zoomers, but they boomers also had uh, millennials. A lot of millennials were born in America, Canada, and Mexico. A lot. So that's a good thing. Now... They're the number one job workers. They're now uh, earning and spending money. They're saving a little bit of money. And the millennials, if you don't want to hear it, if you're one of these class or, you know, generation war people, the millennials are going to save America just by their numbers. But in 2022, there were 400,000 job shortages in America, 400,000. That's good if you're looking for a job. Gen X, if you're looking for a job, write your ticket. You can find a job almost anywhere that you barely qualify for because you are needed so badly. Uh, Why do you, this is gonna cause labor inflation. It's gonna cause labor costs to rise and it's gonna gonna be one of the things that keeps inflation going higher. By 2034, we're gonna have 900,000 job shortages as all the boomers are now either dead or are in retirement homes. They're not doing anything. OK, they're already almost all retired next year, 65 and older. So these are numbers. These are facts. These are this, this is math. All right. Uh, the pandemic sped up their retirement. It pushed them out. I remember for years, millennials were complaining that they couldn't get promoted because boomers wouldn't retire. Well, pandemic made them to realize it's not so bad I'm staying home and now there's a job shortage there's a shortage of truckers there's a shortage of port workers dock workers ship captains and that's why your Amazon packages and Christmas is a nightmare because UPS and FedEx can't find the people that bo- that the boomers used to drive those trucks 40 hours a week 60 hours a week there's a nursing shortage okay there are labor shortages everywhere in every sector in America but it's not as bad as Europe it's not as bad as china it's not as bad as germany and it's not as bad as russia just remember that we're going to be okay it's going to be bumpy we're going to adjust why because productivity uh tesla uses robots in its factory and by some studies each robot replaces 14 workers so if you can replace 14 workers with one robot that helps reduce the damage of a shortage of labor. Japan has been is one of the oldest populations in the world, and they've been keeping afloat because their productivity through robotics is so good, it's able to, Japan uses robotics in their fast food. They, they have burger flipper robots. They have burger, you know, robots that dump the fries in the fryer. They have robots that feed sushi, okay? They don't need waitresses and waiters and fast food workers as much because of this. So it's not going to be as bad as if we can increase productivity. Now, the consumer is sitting on $2 trillion in America from pandemic payouts. That's going to push demand, still keep going. There's two ways to stop inflation. Decrease demand, as we're doing with housing right now because interest rates are so high, people are stopping buying houses. And incre- increase supply. How do we do that? That's what's next. So now you kind of see where I'm going with this. You kind of see, hopefully, the future laid out And it's uncertainty. So the question becomes, where do you put your excess money or investment money that's going to be safe for the next five years or the future, depending on your time horizon? Uh, Personally, I've been looking for American-only companies. That's all I'm interested in. They're going to have the most advantages, both. Dollar advantages, regulatory advantages, et cetera. I'm not interested in outside of American companies at this point. The risk is too great. So if you want to look, have at it. But I'm sure they're out there, but I just think it's much better strategy to focus on American-based companies. And that's the first part. Second part is where does their supply chain come from? i think that exposure in china is obviously a red flag and i'm looking at two companies that i recently sold completely out of and that is apple and tesla i think that if their major markets are china in the next five years you you have uncertainty i I don't want to say anything is predictable in that sense They're definitely going to fail. They're definitely going to have problems, et cetera. I just think the uncertainty is there that other companies don't have. So you may keep your money in Apple and Tesla and you may do well, but I think that the risk factor might outweigh the reward in those two cases because chip supply, supply chain issues are already hurting both of them, not to mention Sales in China uh, could be bad. If their consumers lose buying power, How, how they're not going to buy the most expensive products in the market. Apple is the most expensive phone in the Chinese market. Tesla, you know, a very upper end vehicle for the Chinese market. They sell a lot of them there. So if that consumer is uh, pressured financially, because of numerous issues, where the sales from around the world have to make up for that, that stock is is really poised for a downside. Apple has outs, so to speak. They can move their production of some of their parts to Vietnam or outside of China. The problem Apple has is it's one of the most complicated supply chains ever in human history, 1,200 different parts, okay? It's in like, I don't know, 40 countries they get supplies from, 40 different countries. That is a product that is wholly dependent on globalization working smoothly and efficiently. And when it doesn't, if it breaks down even more, they're gonna have issues major supply issues. And if you can't get your product to market, you can't sell it. And if you can't sell it, you can't make a profit. No, thanks. I'm out of Apple. So that brings us to what those are two perfect examples of dangerous, you know, they may solve it, but in America right now, I'm looking at just some really, in a sense, boring things. I'm looking at the largest fertilizer producers in America and Canada, nutrient. I'm looking for CF industries. I'm looking for Nat gas pipelines, Nat gas producers, uh, LNG. I'm looking for, um, Plains, Mm -hmm. All-American PAA. Okay. So, those those things uh, okay nat gas oil refineries uh, those things i think are going to be around if you remove five percent of the global oil supply and oil prices go up those companies i mean oil is going to go up to 150. exxon mobil royal dutch shell not an american company has some exposure to russia 25 billion exposure to russia but uh, pays a dividend, has some upside, has some diversity. ExxonMobil has NatGas and oil, pays a good dividend. Uh, Verizon pays a good dividend. I mean, these are boring, but they're going to outperform. They're, this is a storm coming. So you have to buckle down. Uh, I, I'm sticking to NatGas, oil, pipelines fertilizers. I'm not going into like Caterpillar and uh, John Deere yet because I think they have too much exposure to the rest of the world. And I think the rest of the world, if it goes into a deep recession, will stop buying those exports there. So I'm not there yet. Uh, I think those profits will be hurt, not interested. I want things that operate in America and their end consumer is American. So think of this, think of this exposure that you have, like you, your country and your population goes to work in a factory and the raw materials for that product that that factory is making are imported from another country, say, sub-Saharan Africa, say, Russia, wherever, Uh, Australia, and those Raw materials come in, and then you form those raw materials into a product. And then that product is then exported to another country for manufacture or assembly. And then that next country, a third country, is the end consumer of that product. Most of the time, that is the United States. Now, if the United States chooses to stop importing that product or put a tariff on it, look at that supply chain exposure what 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 is that country that is just manufacturing that uh raw material What, what 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 do they have their end consumer isn't within the country that's a problem for china as their population uh falls it's a problem for vietnam it's not so much a problem for australia i think australia will be okay And I think America, North America will be okay too. I think Mexico and Canada will also be okay because of their partnership with America. So if you can if you could mine it or make it in America and then get it to your consumer in America with minimal supply chain outside of that, and your end consumer is also in America buying things in American dollars, you're gonna do well because your profit margins will remain. and your consumer's buying power is going to hold up. The American consumer is sitting on $2 trillion in bank accounts right now. So the money is there, maybe in Amazon. Okay, Amazon is looking like a good bet right now because the American consumer is still strong. The job market in America is still strong. Wage growth uh, trying to keep up with inflation this year and last year, even though it's almost impossible. But wage growth is keeping up. So the American consumer is strong buying Amazon products, primarily in America, not to mention all of that computing and Amazon Web Services that is a huge part of their business from the corporate or enterprise side. So that could be a play in tech. I like Amazon and I still like Google. Uh, Microsoft as well. Those are the only three there. I do like chip makers, though. I think that the chip makers, Intel, been beat up lately. Taiwan Semiconductor is just... I, I bought some of them recently, but the problem is they have China exposure. They are building a factory in America. If you notice, Intel announcing massive factory builds in America. Steel... Okay, U.S. Steel, Nucor, largest steel producers in America, coming back and building bigger production plants in America. Manufacturing is coming back to America because these CEOs see the writing on the wall. They did not like the experience of their supply chain, okay, getting disrupted. And they saw the havoc that it it caused. It's going to take years, though, to build these factories out and these uh, advancements. So it could be rocky, but this is what I'm saying. They're going to need the nat gas. They're going to need the energy. Uh, they're going to need the oil. They're going to need the electricity. Uh, so pipelines get that there. Um, I, I like Verizon because it's a an American cell phone company. Uh, wh- wh- where's their supply chain disruption? Okay. So I, I think you need to really... Notice I don't mention any of these Coinbase's cryptos. I think all that stuff is just total speculation. You're really asking for detonation if you go out and put your uh, neck out that far. I think for the next couple years, uncertainty is going to rule, and you need to uh, organize your portfolio for uncertainty. Okay. You, you, don't get far out there. I mean, you you want to take some risks. You're you're gonna you better have huge return capability. Then, but I do like chip makers. I do like American chip makers. I, you know, you want to see everything tied to America. Um, as I said, seed I, I like. I do have one company uh, is a Israeli company that is a large. Uh, fertilizer producer as well. They have secured contracts. Now, you know, in turmoil, contracts are just pieces of paper, but they have secured uh, fertilizer contracts with Europe and Middle East that makes them pretty secure. Okay. So I, I think that if you have access to fertilizer at a set price, you're gonna make money. And, and, and that's what I'm looking for from the fertilizer producers because the shortage in Russia and the Ukraine and China is going to cause massive problems. So and then getting the oil and NAT gas from the refiners to the pipe through the pipelines and and then charging for that service is what PAA is a a company that does. There are Many midstream companies uh, do your research and, but, but this is what I'm trying to say, you look at these sectors and in downturns, they should be fine. Now, some people say that during recessions, people use less gas, less oil, you know, and when the price goes up too high, people, the demand, you know, hits a ceiling. I've read articles that say that the American consumer can can afford $7 gas. I don't want to see it go to $7 and test that theory. My point is that we the American consumer is strong enough to withstand begrudgingly complaining it might cost Joe Biden his presidency and, and, and Democrats the Congress. Okay. Whether or not that's connected or not. You know, my point is that it's going to be hard to keep gas prices down in this environment when Russia is taking the when that oil is off the market. So Joe Biden is in Saudi Arabia right now negotiating with the crown prince, who he condemned during his campaign. And now he's fist bumping him because he needs to secure this deal. Okay. And, and now don't get me wrong that the U S does not import Saudi oil as much as the rest of the world does. China is their biggest buyer by far, but remember that petrodollar and the strength of the American dollar is important, not just for the American consumer, but for political leverage. Okay. We, that, the strong King dollar, I'm a firm believer in it, gives America huge, geopolitical leverage over everyone. China and Russia have been trying to unseat the dollar. The American dollar is the world's reserve currency for a decade, if not longer. And no one wants no one wants that ruble. Okay, the ruble and and the Chinese yuan are trapped. As soon as they open those those currencies up to the broader market, they flee. Owners of those dollars have been trying to leak out As fast as they can, because the the no one's gonna the yuan is a pipe dream because it's too manipulated, and the ruble, come on, Russia's done. So you want to stick to the American dollar, and you want to stick to American companies is my thesis based on what I've laid out. If you disagree, let me know. Um, And that's it for now. I'll be back with more in the future on these topics that I touched upon, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, thanks for listening. and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. But if you've been putting off saving and investing, I hope that this is your wake-up call to start taking it seriously now. Putting a plan into action is just the first step. But if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave a review on your platform of choice. And remember, you work hard for your money, so make your money work hard for you.